Hey, this is Lindsay Hamilton, and you're listening to Token Tonight. When did you become interested in broadcasting? Oh, gosh, it's a way back. I feel as though I've been interested in broadcasting in some way or another my entire life. I am the middle child in a family of five. So sport has always been a huge part of my life. All my siblings and I played a variety of sports growing up, both my brother and sister, my older brother and sister, the national athletes, and all of my siblings played a varsity sport in university. So sport has always been a part of me. And then I also just really love people. I find people really interesting and so fascinated by their stories and I love the storytelling aspect of my job. So I could walk you down the very, very long path that got me to TSN if you'd like, which started in front of a camera when I was about 13 years old. You let me know if you want the whole story or the cold. No, no. I mean, I, I was just wondering because we're actually going to go into that. I've got these questions marked down, so I'm sure we'll touch base on it. I was just, uh, we're definitely going to touch base on all those aspects, and I'm sure there'll be a few questions that, or, or a few comments that I might not pick up on uh, that you can add in. Um, sure. I it, started national television when I was 18, and that year I actually deferred my acceptance to McMaster <laughs> University where I ultimately went into a double major in communication studies and film. But I think it was that year in which I deferred my acceptance and was broadcasting at a national level that I just remember the joy I had going into work and how excited and passionate I was about the research and everything that went on behind the camera and in front of the camera and again, just trying to get to that storytelling element and really peel back the layers of different things. And at the time, to make ends meet and also make some money for university, hmm. I was also working kind of a desk job. And I remember the lack of passion, I guess you could say, I had for the desk job in comparison to how genuinely excited I was to work in broadcasting. And it was at that moment that I said, okay, this is the path for me. And I think it also provided me with a lot of clarity heading into my undergrad degree because oh, okay. I knew what the vision was and I knew what I wanted to pursue. And I think that just gave me a little more fire under my butt, if you will, because it pushed me that harder to hopefully one day accomplish my goal. You know what? I'm thinking someone's after giving you a few of my notes already because that's what I, I, I'm literally going to read this verbatim what I had down. You attended McMaster University studying communications and film, correct? And then you got right into that. So it tied right into my next question. Now, of course, while you were there, you were creating, producing, and hosting Mac TV segments, which I'm guessing because it's McMaster, it's McMaster TV. Correct. How did this all come to be? Did you just kind of go to them and say, listen, I'm interested, or was it a part of your program? You know what? None of it was part of my program. And I really had to create my own opportunities because a lot of them weren't presented to me. But I think something I learned early on is that if I wanted to make it in this extremely competitive industry, I had to be talented in a number of areas and I had to be a chameleon in many ways. I think you have to have the ability to throw yourself in different situations and be comfortable quickly. And that's not something that just happens overnight. People have to work at it. So... I think for me personally, I'm so appreciative that I was able to figure out what I wanted to do at such a young age because 
it really provided me with a leg up when I graduated because I'd been in front of a camera since I was 13. So by the time I graduated, I had, you know, nearly a decade of on-camera experience that my peers didn't. And I'd been working in front of a camera, so I just felt so comfortable. And then you mentioned the Mac TV FX and the radio. Those were opportunities, again, that I just had to create because I knew it could come in handy down the road. The radio program at the time, I was so passionate about sports. I knew I wanted to get into sports broadcasting. I was working at Family Channel, so I, I knew I was doing the entertainment side of things, but I also understood that I have to start building my sports reel. And I was a varsity lacrosse player, and I saw firsthand how little coverage, I think, sports outside of the big sports, such as you know football or basketball or volleyball even, how little exposure they were getting. So I just pitched this radio program to CSMU, the campus community radio station there, and I shared that I would love to interview different athletes and people in the athletic community, both at McMaster and Hamilton at large, and I would do my morning show. I think my slot was Monday mornings at first, so I'm not sure how many listeners I had, Hmm. but as you know, for anyone trying to make it in the industry, it is those early days in which you're making your mistakes, and you're probably tripping over your feet a bit, but that's how you learn. In addition to that, I was doing, as you say, Mac TV segments, and I was taking a number of jobs outside of McMaster, too. I did work with the Grey Cup, and I was just constantly pitching people, getting different ideas. After university, I worked in production. I worked in news for a little while. I worked for the Pan Am Games. I went on to work for CBC, so... I think on the outside looking in, my path can look very quick because they might say, oh, you're a younger face on air, but to actually peel back the layers, it has been a very, very long journey, but I am happy for it because I think learning all those different aspects of the industry and what happens behind the camera, the writing side, the production side, I think, again, it just teaches you about the industry at large. I got this marked down, even though you kind of touched on a bit here, that you were clearly a go-getter. You played on the varsity team. I'm just trying to remember, was it was it lacrosse that you were playing with the varsity team? It is. It's a very good memory. Yeah, field lacrosse. So I played in high school. I played for Team Ontario in high school as well. And then that also came into my decision when I was choosing universities. I wanted something that was close to Toronto because I was still working with the Family Channel. So needed to be downtown Toronto mm. a fair amount. But at the same time, I wanted a really good education and something or a place as well where I could play lacrosse. So McMaster checked off all those boxes for me, and proud Marauders still. <laughs> I was watching the Yates Cup this weekend, which was wonderful. They won, FYI. No, no, that's <laughs> that's good, because you know what? I've got no beef with McMaster, because I, I graduated with Carleton. But now, okay. if, you, if you had to say you were University of Ottawa... Then then we'd have some beef to talk Yeah, about. but the, okay. the irony here is I'm in a University of Ottawa studio doing this, so... I've kind of crossed over to the dark side. Yeah, I'm glad we can still be friends. Yeah, yeah exactly. Of course, you, you mentioned about your big break being, you know, 13. I, I didn't know you were 13 at the time, but uh, I guess that was in 2008 when you got to become the first host of the Family Channel. 13 is when I got involved more so behind the camera. So when okay. my mom was driving me to auditions in public school, bless her heart, because a lot of the answers were no. So <laughs> that's another thing. I think being involved since a young age, I learned rejection really quickly, which is such a big part of this industry. Like you are going to hear so many no's. And I think a lot of the time the people that stick around are just 
so persistent. <laughs> and I'd say my first big break on national TV came when I was 18 with the Family Channel. And then that's when I deferred my acceptance at McMaster University. And then I ultimately would go back to school, complete my undergrad while simultaneously working for Family Channel and working in sports and radio and production, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, no, I, I bring this up because I think that's cool, of course, with the, the whole Family Channel, because I grew up on Family Channel. And I mean this with no offense or no disregard, but you know, when I was watching Family Channel, they had like Boy Meets World. That's so Raven. So the time period, I guess, when you were doing this, I, I must have been just getting out of the Family Channel because I don't remember a lot about you being there. But I, I looked up a few interviews and I think it's really funny because you're looking at like a very baby face, Lindsay Hamilton, and then like <laughs> interviewing very baby faces of Bieber, Gomez, One Direction. I think it was like Dylan and Cole Sprouse. And to see, you know, where they've all come to and even yourself with TSN, like if if someone told me, hey, that same girl was doing Family Channel, I'd be like, maybe it's her sister. Like, I don't look like they're the <laughs> same person. Like, it, it, they look alike, but there's no way. But I think it would be... Slightly re- older, more wrinkled. <laughs> no, no. I think it would be really cool, and I think it's something to pitch as an idea, if you did a re-interview of like a Justin Bieber or a Dylan Cole Sprouse now, knowing how everything has kind of changed, I think that would be really cool to see. I would definitely interview Justin Bieber again. Yeah, He's a big okay. Maple Leaf fan. We could talk hockey. Yeah, of course. But I just laugh at because when I was looking at it, if you look up your name on Google, and we were looking for like an image to, of course, put it with a poster, and then there was like Lindsay Hamilton gifts, and I was like okay like why would they be and then they show oh, like these, gosh, I'm they, sh- nervous. they show like these old ones of when you're interviewing Bieber and then you're waving at the camera and then of course Bieber does his classic like wink nudge whatever thing they used to do shrugged his shoulders but I was just like there's <laughs> gifts for Lindsay Hamilton like that's I'm gonna have to google this I've <laughs> never googled Lindsay Hamilton gifts so I'm gonna have to I mean, I mean, let's let's look Hopefully at this. Good. Let's look at this way. I went in a few. I just dug into a few, and I thought it was cool that they had like these old, kind of like the baby ones per se. And I was like, okay, cool. Like you actually have this kind of fan base that gives you gifts. And I was like, geez, I wish I could have some gifts. But then you don't know what people are going to create with you, right? So that's a very good point. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe you'll you'll regret the decision. I've never made a gift. I don't know how to make one. No, no, and I think they're called gifts. Some, I'm, I'm sure some teenager will will come after me after me like actually they're they're called gifts, and I'll be like, oh yeah, uh, I wouldn't be the one to correct you. I'm yeah. sorry, my, uh, my uh, slang um, is not solid up to speed. Talk to me a little bit about that Family Channel experience. What was it like? And were you ever nervous to interview these people? That's a good question. I think being involved in like behind the camera since I was so young or in front of a camera rather since I was so young, I think it helped me get over a lot of those nerves. And that's another reason why I'm just, I guess, appreciative that I kind of figured out what I wanted to do at a younger age, because I think for a lot of young broadcasters, something that can be difficult for everyone is just being comfortable in, in front of a camera. Like that can take a really long time to be yourself. And to kind of drop that wall and invite audiences in. So I look back at those years and I think they were just so helpful for me just to be comfortable in front of a camera, to be speaking to people. And as you mentioned, I had the opportunity to do some really big interviews, you know, whether it be Justin Bieber, Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato. These are musicians and actors and actresses that have really large fan bases. So there was a lot of exposure towards these interviews and I think that helped me mature, too, because I was young, but I'd be going into these situations, and I just knew the magnitude of the moment and that I had to deliver, and I think it helped me in my preparation, 
and my research, just composing myself as a professional in the industry and taking away, I guess, some of the nerves that might come in the future. I think there's always going to be a few jitters before any new opportunity, before any new experience, something you haven't done before. But I think if you can look at it more through the lens of there's a privilege with any pressure I might be feeling. And this is an opportunity for me to learn something new and to expand my skill set instead of being nervous. So I, to this day, try and use that in any new situation I'm in. I'm going to just kind of add on to that because when we had Kara Wagland on, I think it was like a few weeks ago, she mentioned when I asked her, was she nervous for her first TSN hit when she was hired? I believe I, I'm, I can't remember the guy's name right now, but he's also a TSN employee. And he told me or told her that when he was doing the Olympics, you could stay up all night at like four in the morning and, you know, panic or be nervous or use that time to prep. And I thought that was oh, really, and I thought that was really cool. I think cool. that was Rod Smith who told her that. There you go. There you go. Because yeah, I, I think she's told me that story too. I believe. Yes. Yeah, because I, I knew it was Rod, but I didn't want to say black because I knew it was wrong. But um, I, I think I could be wrong. Um, no, no, you're you're, it's, you're right. I think it's Rod. Yeah. So yeah, right no, back. I thought that was really cool. So now from the Family Channel, I know you mentioned a few things that came next. I have it here that you did some CFL hosting for the 100th Grey Cup. Then two years later, you joined, of course, the Maple Leaf Sports and entertainment as host for Marley's, Leafs, and World Junior Games. So explain how these roles kind of came to be and some aspects of that job that you liked. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned earlier, there was so many steps after the Family Channel to get to where I am now. I started while I was still with Family Channel, pursuing other opportunities in sports because, again, I knew that I had to start developing that side of my demo reel as well. So... I started that sports radio program at McMaster University. I started doing segments with Mac TV. I started producing my own segments as well. And all of those opportunities I just pitched. They were all things that really interested me. So I literally would put together these little pitches and send them off to various people that I thought could help make these dreams of mine happen. After university, I also worked as a community coordinator at CSMU. So that was a job that allowed me to host a daily radio show, not only in sports, but in news and world events as well, and also be a staple within the McMaster and Hamilton community. So that was another fantastic learning experience in which I was going out and covering a news story and then doing an entertainment piece, and then I would give an update on the weather, and then I would talk sports. So you'd literally get everything. As you mentioned, I worked for Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, for a few years, um, both with Marley's, and then I just worked with the Leafs and with their alumni program. And, oh gosh, I worked in news for a while. I was out in London, Ontario, worked for the Pan Am Games and did their cross-country tour and worked for CBC. So that is a, a long list of things that I'm rattling off. And I'm sure I missed a few, but I would say the majority of those opportunities were because I reached out to someone and pitched an idea. Some of them were already jobs, but even still, I think I was always trying to get to the next level. For instance, even at MLSC, I was constantly letting people know I wanted to do more. I wanted to be involved in various ways, and that helped open up doors to do, whether it was an alumni trip or some activations they have in MLSC. With the Pan Am Games, I was constantly saying I wanted to do more hosting roles with different radio and 
production projects. I was just constantly pitching new ideas. So I guess my advice to anyone would be try not to be stagnant and just constantly keep pushing yourself. 2016, of course, you joined CBC Radio as a sports reporter, part of the Rio coverage. And then, of course, in that same year, you joined TSN. Was this your end goal to get a TSN someday? TSN has always been a dream just because I think so highly of TSN. And I've told people this before, but when you walk into the newsroom at TSN, there are so many talented individuals that have come before me. And you're truly surrounded by the best in the business, in my opinion, in this country. And I think that's something that I'm continually just in awe of because I can learn from my colleagues who are just so experienced, but also great genuine, down-to-earth people. So TSN was always my bucket list. With that being said, I didn't think it would necessarily happen when it did. It came as a bit of a surprise when they reached out because I was at CBC and I was just so focused on doing my best at CBC because I loved that role as well. It was such a treat to be involved in the coverage of the Rio Olympics and they have a great team there as well. And I've always been very passionate about amateur athletes. So it was a lot of fun to be covering that. But simultaneously, to be at a network that is 24-7 sports is a dream come true. I guess as soon as you got into TSN, like there, there had to be either familiar faces or people, of course, that you've watched growing up. Because I know Andy Petrillo came with, uh, with a CBC kind of background, too, before she was in the, the TSN. Mm-hmm. There were a few of us. Um, Nabil Kareem, who is now at ESPN, he had been at CBC before TSN. Laura Dykin did a brief stop at CBC before TSN. So... As I'm sure you know, the the industry can be small sometimes, and it's familiar faces, but I had a wonderful time at CBC. I, I think it was such a privilege to work there, but obviously, as I mentioned, TSN was such a dream, and when the opportunity presented itself, I just couldn't stop smiling. I, I knew it was one of those pinch me moments, and I've had a phenomenal time in my, I guess, roughly three and a half years there so far, and you mentioned the familiar faces. These are people I had aspired to be growing up and I had looked up to. Icons like Jennifer Hedger, who I now am privileged to call a colleague. And I think TSN has paved the way for so many other broadcasters to come in a number of ways in their world-class coverage, but also in having two females on the desk for the first time hosting a daily sports show. Exactly. Um, if I'm correct, no one had done that before. And I remember seeing that. And now we don't think twice we see two females on the desk, but rewind the clock two decades ago, you didn't see that. So I think breaking ground and stepping forward are things that TSN has done so well. And I think when it comes to, because I believe we interviewed her as well about that, um, I believe it was a Kate Burness and Natasha were the two, mm-hmm. the two, yeah. But yeah, we've had them on the podcast as well. It's so funny because when you look at the list of people we had on TSN that have been on this podcast, it's literally like if I walked in tomorrow and someone said, have you talked to this person? I'd be like, yeah, we had him on season two. Or, I was yeah, going to say, I think you've talked to almost everyone yeah. when I, whenever yeah. I was somewhere. You're like, oh yeah, I talked to them. I'm yeah. talking to that person. You and Kara do a stellar job, of course, uh, bringing the highlights. I called it in Kara's interview, the female versions of Jay and Dan. And she kind of looked at it as if to say, was it a compliment? Was it an insult? And I'm like, no, I grew up with Jay and Dan. So I call it the compliment. She says sometimes when you do when you guys are hosting, she has to watch her mouth because she, she curses a lot. Um, <laughs> and she says that she feels bad because she kind of looks at you. And I'm again, it's not word for word, but she's like, you know, Lindsay looks 
so young and she's so professional and here I am over here cursing and swearing and she's like I never think I hear Lindsay swear um is this true uh that is true it is very rare to hear me swear what do you enjoy about your job and what things are you planning to do in the future oh my goodness that list is long I enjoy so many aspects of my job For me, because a lot of my colleagues come from a sports background, I really get a team environment when I go to work. And I don't think a lot of people can say that about their workplace, but there's something so satisfying about leaving work each day and knowing that you and a group of hardworking individuals created a show from scratch. You came in that day and your producer put together a lineup and your writers are working on different scripts and you're writing your on cans and whether it's the camera operator or someone working in lighting or your director, everyone is coming together and putting together the best show that you can. And I think this, it's amazing going home and knowing that you all created that and you work together and if someone's struggling, the entire team helps them out and coming from my background where lacrosse played such a huge role in my life or sports played such a huge role in my life. I think there is something so beautiful in community and people working together for a common goal, as cheesy as that probably sounds. So I really like that. And then I love working with people who are so genuinely talented. I'm constantly learning from my colleagues who are just incredible at what they do. So I feel very privileged to work in that environment. And then I know the second part of your question was future goals. And I'd really like to give back um, even more in the future. I've always loved working with children. So I have a few ideas ruminating in how I could help children in sport and disadvantaged youth in sport. So I'm trying to get a few different projects in that area working. But at the end of the day, I just really love storytelling and telling good stories that matter. So if I can do that throughout my career, I will be very satisfied. Absolutely. Now, I know you mentioned that you thought a little bit of that response was cheesy, but I'm going to I'm going to bail you out. I'm going to tag myself in here and say, have you ever watched the movie Coach Carter? Yes, I have. Okay. Well, then, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a long well, time. Yeah, well, then you know what I'm about to say. It's the, the whole line of if one person struggles, we all struggle. If one person succeeds, we all succeed. Absolutely. Cla- classic Channing Tatum line because, you know, mm-hmm. this is before Channing Tatum was, hey, take your shirt off and show us her right muscles. Right, in uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, So, but I love that movie. And when you started going on that kind of going down that path, I was like, man, that that quote is coming to my mind right now. I also realized I said Channing Tatum, One Tree Hill. That is incorrect. <laughs> that is not the right reference. You're thinking, um, oh my gosh. It's the guy that's series. always in like a Hillary Duff movie with like yes, a Cinderella. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, I know, I know who you were going think. for. Yeah. He's a dance. I know the guy you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, but no, no, no one, no one picked up on that, Lindsay. No one at all. Good. Up on okay, that. I was like, uh, God, so I need to clean up my movie yeah, references yeah, here. Exactly. No, but you were talking about teamwork, and I could not agree more. Yeah. Um, if I had to have the clips ready, and you know, I could put it in editing to make it sound silly, but I'm not going to do that because I am a professional Newfoundlander, if that's such a thing. But you know, Jean- and may I just interrupt there? When I went out to Newfoundland, it remains one of my favorite trips I've ever made. Did you kiss the cod? So I didn't kiss the cod, and I have no idea how I got around that because, of course, we made such a big deal of it when the Leafs were recently out east and they all Mark had their sloppy cod kiss. Yeah, yeah but yeah. no, I never got to kiss the cod, but I did have a phenomenal time out east. It well, is 
beautiful. I was in Twillingate, I was in St. John's, and then I went over to Grossmore National Park, and I had just a terrific time. You're very lucky to be out from that side of the country. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll be be fair. I'm a Newfoundlander. I, I love Newfoundland, but man, when I was younger watching the tourism commercials, like, you always have this up and coming. Like, now being in a podcasting environment... I see what they're doing. I used to say, like, geez, you got bigger celebrities in Ontario than this no-name singer. Like, it used to be, like, the Keisha Shante commercials. And I was like, I know who Keisha Shante is. But you guys get to advertise the Hall of Fame, the Rideau Canal, just as an Ontario. When mm-hmm. I look at a commercial recently from Newfoundland, it's like, it's the farthest place from Disneyland. I'm like, okay, who are you <laughs> catering to? Um, and then it's like, Lansom Meadows, population five. I'm like, who's going to a place of population five. I get what you're going for, but... They want to be friends with all five people. Yeah. Now, yeah. The, the biggest difference I find, and I know it's a little bit off, off topic here, but when you look at an Ontario tourism commercial, at the end it says, visit ontariotourism.ca. And I think, okay, that's very Ontario-like, is, hey, you want the information? Go find it here. Where our commercials, and it sometimes blends into the whole stereotype, is... Call Susan, call Eric, and then sometimes when you're up here, they'll say, oh, you know Susan, right? And I'm like, there's more than one Susan in Newfoundland. You have to, you have to know this, but they're looking at the commercials and being like, yeah, I called Susan. You know Susan, right? And I'm like, sure. Sure. It's the classic line <laughs> talking to Americans, right? Oh, you know Bob from Canada? Exactly. Oh, Bob yes. <laughs> yeah. And and I, I'm not saying that in a mean way or anything. I just thought it was funny because when you brought up about Newfoundland, like, again, I love Newfoundland. I wish you had to, like, you know, kiss the cod because I'm sure you do a better job than Mark Masters. Um, <laughs> I'll have to come back one day and kiss the cod. Yeah, get, get the proper screech in, right? But so, I remember I did learn how to say it properly. It's not Newfoundland. It's Newfoundland. Yes, and that can be bothersome sometimes. And yes. I, you know what? I'm not digging into anyone about it, but sometimes when I'm watching Overdrive and, our, you know, it gets brought up, uh, Jamie McLennan calls it Calgary, and I'm like, fair enough. He's, he's out in the West. But then when they go <laughs> New, Newfoundland, I'm like, guys, come on now. Um, yeah, yeah, but I love how you said it's like a, a team place at TSM because what came to my mind is a, a kind of a comedy clip there was you have Jay and Dan always picking on producer Tim. You have, you know, when you watch Overdrive, they're picking on, I, I believe the guy's Al's brother. Now, I know it's all in jokes and fun, but I think mm-hmm. that's I think that's funny that, you know, they, it's somewhat implemented in the show and it's somewhat of a trademark with TSM because what other show does Al's brother get a shout out? What other show does a producer Tim you know, somehow get involved in the show. So I think that's really cool. Absolutely. Uh, And that's when you're close with, whether it's friends or colleagues, it's when you feel comfortable to tease them a bit, right? Like that's family. And I think Mike Babcock brought that up even recently when talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs. And he was just mentioning that they have so many new faces in the lineup and they're trying to form this cohesion amongst players and they've started to tease each other a little bit. It's like, that's a good sign though, because that's what siblings do. And, you know, I mentioned I'm one of five, like my siblings and I are always on each other's back, (laughs) but that's part of it. And you're also as thick as seeds. So um, that's always a good thing. What is your advice to women or young grads um, trying to, you know, break into the industry? I would say work hard. Know your content. Don't take no for an answer. Create your own opportunities. And if you can, seek a mentor that you look up to. Um, I know there are so many females I have aspired 
to follow in their footsteps and who've just paved the way in this industry. And I think it's important to have those people in your life to ask questions and to sometimes be a sounding board. And I think it's important, again, just to be persistent. And, you know, I say don't take no for an answer. Just if there's not a job opening, try and create your own opportunities. There's so many different avenues available now for people to create their own content. Your podcast is a perfect example. Thanks thanks for the plug. (laughs) You're very welcome. (laughs) Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, So I would... They all be above. The the last thing that I just want to make sure that we get in as well is because it's a few questions that a few of my friends have asked, and we've got a few direct messages on Twitter as well. With everyone doing a podcast and everyone getting into other realms of social media, do you ever think that you and Kara would ever sit down and say, you know what, let's do our own uh, Lindsay and Kara podcast? And maybe it doesn't have to be about sports. It could be just about stories about your lives. Do you ever think about that? My answer would be never say never. If there's anything I've learned, it's keep doors open and pursue opportunities that make you happy. And I think I would love to do a podcast one day down the road. When I laugh when you say perhaps not about sports. We obviously both love sports and it's a huge part of our life. But we also are very into our um, murder mystery podcast these days. Oh, okay. Kara's uh. a big Dateline listener, and she recently got me into a podcast. There's something about Pam. I'm not sure if you've listened. Okay. Highly recommend it. So even last night, I'm driving home from work, and I'm listening to a Dateline podcast. She's got me on that. So maybe we'll be doing some murder mystery thriller. <laughs> that would be awesome, and it would be definitely out of the realm of what people would expect, it right? It definitely would be. And that's going to do it for this episode of Topin Tonight. Our thanks to Lindsay Hamilton for coming on the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TopinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, stay tuned to Cara and Lindsay's murder mystery podcast called Wags and Hams. It sounds like a children's TV show about a dog and a hamster, but it's not. Thanks for listening, and good night. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.